You have tuned in to a study of the Epistle of Paul to the Philippians. We're in chapter 2, and Paul tells them that they ought to be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. That's verse 15 in chapter 2. Being blameless doesn't mean perfect. It suggests that there is nothing obvious worthy of accusation in the life of the Christian, and innocent or harmless might suggest that the Roman secret service wouldn't have any need to infiltrate their ranks because of some suspicious activity in which they were engaged. I am blessed by the way he addresses it here. He calls them children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked generation. Crooked is that which is bent, and straight is truth. He says they're in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Perverse means twisted or distorted, and friends, the world is that way. Think of the people in the world around those believers. They're bent and twisted in regard to what God intended for his creatures. Look around your own society and see how twisted life is. The reason Paul wants them to be innocent is so that they will shine as lights in the world holding fast the word of life, so that in the day of Christ, Paul writes, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. No matter how evil the world is about us, how dark it is, the Christian is supposed to shine as a light in this dark world. The Bible often equates light with truth. And when we live up to God's standards, we will shine, and we will represent his truth. Now, Paul is not referring to some kind of a divine glow or clothing. Flesh and blood don't shine. Paul is talking about their behavior. They're different. And we ought to be able to be around people and for them to notice that we don't talk like they do. Our interests are different. Our speech is pure. We talk about good things, we talk about eternal things, and we are content trusting God in everything and showing what Jesus commanded his disciples in on that night before he was crucified, when he gave them a new commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, and Christ's disciples who love do shine. As the world gets darker and darker, worse and worse, the children of God will shine more and more, because they are children of light. Since any shining they do is a result of the message they believe, they are told to hold forth the word of life. That's verse 16, holding forth the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Now, he didn't tell them to tell men to join their church, to follow them. He didn't tell them to share their faith. That's a useless cliché. 
He told them to hold fast or hold forth the word of God. Now, there's a problem with some of our translations here. Some say hold forth and others say hold fast. Hold fast suggests steadfastness in the truth. But holding forth the word of life suggests extending the gospel to the world now, which is correct. Well, the translators disagree. Can we decide if we follow the cardinal rule of interpretation, which is right? And what is the cardinal rule of interpretation? The law of context. Now, what's the context here? It is not about holding fast to the faith. It's being lights in a dark world, according to verse 15, and this seems to refer to the believer's witness, not his personal faith. So it appears the better translation would say, holding forth the word of life, and why do we hold it forth? So other people can know the message you can't believe unless you hear the message. And you can't hear the message unless it comes from God's word, so we're to hold forth the word of life. Now, the word of life is a functional title. It expresses what the word does. It brings life. This is similar to the functional title in John 16:13, where Jesus talked about the spirit and described him as the spirit of truth. It's functional in that he brought the truth of Christ to the disciples after the ascension of our Lord into heaven. A spirit was sent to bring them truth, all truth. And he said that when the spirit comes, he will take what is mine and will show it to you and he will show you things to come. Now, here's the question. Who is holding forth the word of life, according to verse 16? In the authorized version, it says, holding forth the word of life, and it suggests that Paul was holding it forth. But literally, it says, you holding forth the word of life. Christians have the responsibility of holding forth the word of life so others can hear it. How can people be saved if they don't hear the word of God? Don't expect people to go to a church meeting or an evangelistic meeting to hear the word of God when we who have believed have the spirit living in us and we have the truth of God in us. We ought to be speaking it. That's the way the early church multiplied, with Christians telling unbelievers about the good news, how God sent forth his Son into this world. He paid the penalty of sin that we could not pay without losing our life, and they told about the promises of God. Everyone needs a promise. The Bible is full of promises, especially the Gospel of John, promise after promise of how God will save and give eternal life to everyone who does nothing more than believe in his wonderful Son. So verse 16 ought to say, literally, you holding forth the word of life. And if they did not proclaim the gospel, Paul would have toiled in vain, he says, because the truth 
would die with those people instead of it reaching still others. Paul took pleasure in the fact that they were holding forth the word of life, and he implies here in verse 16 that if they don't hold forth the word of life, that perhaps his labor would be in vain. As I read the New Testament, I get this understanding about the Apostle Paul. He brought the gospel to people and taught them, perfected them, so that they could teach other people. And of course, that's why Jesus gave gifts unto men, according to Ephesians chapter 4. He gave some apostles, some evangelists, some prophets, some pastors and teachers for the equipment of the saints, or for the perfecting of the saints for the work of ministry. You see, the saints have the work of ministry, and Paul here is exhorting these Philippians that they need to hold forth that word of life because the ministry is theirs. I feel sorry for the man who thinks he is in the ministry and that he must do all the teaching and all the preaching and that others are simply to listen to him. That wasn't Paul's idea. He built up the saints for the work of ministry so they could have the ministry. God wants everyone in ministry, that is, serving Christ by giving out the word of God. Apparently, the Christians in Thessalonica were the kind of people that Paul is talking about. They held forth the word of God. For we read in chapter 1 of the first letter to the Thessalonians, he says, You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction, with joy inspired by the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not to say anything. Now that's a great example of holding forth the word of life, so that the Apostle Paul need not even come to their territory to do any preaching, because they have already held forth the gospel of salvation in that whole area of Achaia and Macedonia. Paul wants the believers in Philippi to hold forth the word of life in Philippi. Is not this what the Lord commissioned his apostles to do in Matthew chapter 28? He did not send forth his disciples in that great commission just to preach the gospel. He said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Apparently they did this. They made disciples, they baptized them, then they teach them to do everything that Jesus told them to do, which means they would go out and make disciples and baptize and teach and teach the converts everything that has been passed on to them. May I suggest that if you have been in a church for years and years and you haven't been taught how to help anyone else or how to explain the gospel, 
that perhaps you should be looking for another church that will teach you. At least get into a Bible class. That's where the teaching usually takes place. You want to learn the Word of God so you can help other people. The church is supposed to be a seminary. It should be a Bible college. It prepares people for ministry. And if your church isn't doing that, it is failing you. Oh, the church has other benefits. It brings you a lot of comfort. It gives you friends. It gives you activities. But Jesus came here to die for sinners, and unless they get the message, he died in vain. Years ago, I learned that God expected me to minister to other people. And I thank God that he has given this opportunity with the Radio Bible Course to hold forth the word of life so we can build up others in the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. How many things must one do to get to heaven? People have various answers. There's a lot of controversy out there and a lot of confusion, and that's why the Radio Bible Course has published a booklet entitled Heaven's Password. It will teach you what the Bible teaches about how to get to heaven. This 46-page booklet, Heaven's Password, is free. Write for your copy today. You might want to visit our Sunday morning Bible class where you will hear the Bible taught verse by verse. We're interested in teaching people in this class, and many people come because they want to know what the Bible says. At class meet at 9.15 each Sunday morning. It's free. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calavota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.